beauty will rise. And uh, let's start with reviewing just a little bit, and that will kind of, uh, I think, lead into where we're going to be uh, today. But if you remember the context, uh, God's people rebelled against him. Uh, they were idolaters. God had been patient. God was calling them back to himself through the prophet Jeremiah. But time after time after time, uh, they resisted him. And eventually, uh, God said, enough's enough. And he brought his judgment upon them. And so uh, you see that throughout the book. But we talked about the first week from the first couple of chapters that sin leads to suffering. And, of course, Scripture says that we reap what we sow. So this still happens in the world uh, today. Bad choices have bad consequences, both in, in the sense of... Um, that they're just naturally built in, also in the sense that, that God judges sin in different ways. We talked about the, the second week, that a godly response to suffering is lamenting, that we, we can cry, we can cry out to God, we can mourn and grieve over our circumstances, we can mourn and grieve, we should mourn and grieve our sin, but that ultimately, that in Christ and His cross, we have a God who suffered for us. We have a God who suffers with us. He can empathize and, and understand because He's been there and because He suffered Himself. And then last week, Preston uh, walked us through the first uh, half of the Book of Lamentations, and he got the like the few sliver verses that are slivers of hope in the book. Right? I told him I gave him the the easiest one, uh, and so. Uh, but if, if you weren't here last week, you're gone for the holidays, weren't here, whatever, I, I would really encourage you to listen to this message. I thought it was a fantastic message. It really ministered to me. And, but he talked about that uh, we can have hope even in the midst of our suffering. But so that leads into what we're going to talk about today, I think. And it really, is there hope in the midst of our suffering? Is there hope in the midst of of all of the horrible things that are going on in the world, in, in the terrible circumstances that we can face uh, sometimes in, in, in our lives, is there really hope? And we're going to talk today about suffering and sovereignty, and the idea of God's sovereignty is that He's in control, ultimately. Uh, but is God really in control? Um, and because if God's not in control... There's not really hope. Here's what I mean. So I have a, a friend who's not a Christian, and I've shared the gospel with him several times. We've had some great conversations, but um, you know he's not converted to Christ yet. But he posted something online recently that uh, I want to read what he said, other than I'm kind of cleaning up the language for church in, in, in a couple of places. Um, he, he said, you don't understand why people are religious. Let's break it down in a natural world perspective. Life stinks, then you die. Even my apathetic butt can see how hope helps people survive. Life stinks, then you die. Now, that's pretty pessimistic, but there's a lot of people that feel that way. And if we're honest, most all of us have some moments that we feel that way. I mean, Job said life is short and full of trouble, which is kind of a little more flowery way of saying life stinks and then you die, right? So he's not fully unbiblical in that statement. 
But he's, even my apathetic butt can see how hope helps people survive. But here's the thing. I mean, if your religion gives you hope, is it really hope if it's not true? Is a delusion actually hope? Is something that makes you feel better and feel hopeful about the future but ultimately can't deliver? Is that actually hope? I mean, if Bernie Madoff was your financial advisor a few years ago, he would have given you a lot of hope, but then he would have drained your bank account. And to me, that's what a false religion does. It maybe makes you feel better, but it ultimately drains your spiritual bank account. See, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that we're begotten again, we're born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To me, if Jesus rose from the dead, if he defeated sin and de death and hell and the grave, that, and, and if that's true and that means heaven's real and because he uh, rose, will rise like we just sang, that's hope. But if the resurrection of Jesus is a hoax, then our hope, if that's what we're trusting in, is just a delusion. In fact, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 that we're of all men to be the most pitied. So there's only hope if God's in control. God's only in control if what he says is true. And what he says is true only if Jesus rose from the dead. Now, I think this is very relevant. I think it's a, it's a very relevant topic. You may say sovereignty. That sounds pretty airy-fairy out there somewhere. But if we're real, we wrestle with this. We may not use that word, but when something bad happens, we're like, where is God? Why, Lord? How could God let this happen? Is God really in control? Does God know what he's doing? I mean, we may not say that, but so don't we think sometimes, well, I wouldn't do it that way if I was God, which is like, okay, whatever. Uh, we, I mean, we may, do, I mean, you know, we, we read that scripture from Job. One of my favorite sermons is a sermon that J.D. Greer uh, preaches, and the title of it, I love the title, it's, it's from the end of the book of Job, and the title of it is Not God Enough. Not God Enough. That's our problem. We're not God enough. We don't know. But we have questions, right? We think we know sometimes. But, I mean, let's be real. When you heard the news, seen the interviews with parents from the Uvalde shooting, you see kids being gunned down in their schools. Like, is God in control? Um, I'm going to say something about this at the end of the service. Maybe you've seen the news about you know, the, this sexual abuse stuff in the, in the Southern Baptist Convention. I mean, if I'd been sexually abused, I'd be like, where was God when that was happening? Is God in control? And when you go through terrible things in your life, sometimes you're thinking, is God really in control of this? Um, now, I'm not talking individually. I'm talking nationally now. Um, you know, as a nation, we may have a lot of questions about what's going on and why things are the way they are now. Do you realize, I mean, whatever problems we have, and we have problems, that we're still better off than practically the entire world. I mean, if you live in Ukraine right now, if you lived in Rwanda during the, the genocide, if you lived in Syria for the last few years, uh, if you lived in, if you're a Christian living in a Muslim country and being persecuted for your faith, uh, you're going to read the book of Lamentations real different than it, it hits us as complacent um, uh, 
affluent, comfortable Americans, right? I mean, we have all these philosophical questions, but to a lot of people around the world, this kind of reality is their day-to-day life. And so uh, if that's where you live, how do you see God? Do you believe that God's in control? I'll give it a face. When we were in, in, in Uganda in, in February, I don't know if you ever heard of Joseph Kony, but he's someone, I mean, he was wanted around the world for a long time, but he was basically a rebel, a terrorist, uh, started a children's army in U- Uganda, conscripting uh, you know, ki- ch- child uh, soldiers, uh, conscripting, conscripting uh, people into sex trafficking and that kind of thing. And, and there was a section of northern Uganda that basically lived under a reign of terror. He's killing people. People are fleeing for their lives. We literally met people. Uh, I talked to people that experienced that while we were in Uganda in February. If that's your reality, where's God during that? Is God really in control? And so here's the thing, though. We have to decide whether or not we're going to believe it and not just believe it when things are good.